evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the awesome almighty. You are with the leaders, Greg and Stephanie, and two very, 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 very... Feels like seven varies. I should have more. Dear and special friends, the Ericsons are live in studio with us tonight. So, Steph, you get to set the stage a little bit with a commercial... And we're very excited about our theme tonight, Life Alignment. So yes, that is the theme, but before we jump into that, having to do with getting uh, a proper realignment, we are looking at the great gift that the church gives us in the season of Advent. Are you guys ready for an Advent? Sure? Yes. Get it? Get it? Get it? We invite you to look ahead now and commit to receive that great gift that we look forward to in preparation for Christmas, the presence of God, um, alive more fully in your families by a commitment to talk and pray. So we are encouraging you to commit to seven weeks beginning November 9th. Plan a time once a week to do the Live It Gathering Guide in your home in preparation for the great feast of Christmas, and along with that, to mark your calendars for the four Wednesdays prior. Three Wednesdays. I'm Trace. sorry, three Wednesdays because of where Christmas falls. Prior to Christmas, the three Wednesdays of Advent, December fourth, eleventh, and eighteenth at Saint Joan of Arc Church. For witness, word, worship, and confession. A that must cost a lot of money, I bet. This is so awesome, that it is encounter so awesome. with Christ and grace being poured out for seven consecutive weeks. Well, the cost, it cost was paid on the cross. Beautiful. It is free. Register for free at presentsforchristmas.com. St. Joan of Arc Church, beginning at 6.30 p.m. each night. But we encourage you mm-hmm. to mark those dates down. Look it up, presentsforchristmas.com or ilovemyfamily.us will also be a link. But really and truly, a seven-week Advent, sure, into the heart of Christ's Mass. Let's more fully receive the gift and really rock it out in our homes this Advent season. So, folks, tonight our theme, Life Alignment. And it's derived really from an experience we all have in March, April, May, where we've been hitting so many of those hellish potholes, they knock our car's alignment out of whack. And, uh, June, July, August. Exactly, and it <laughs> takes them a while to fix them. So, you know, those alignments affect the entire car. They affect the car itself. They're costly. Um, if you took your hand off the wheel, which you shouldn't, I don't recommend that, but it would it would bear dramatically to the left or to the right. It's, it's not going straight. It's not doing what we want it to do. Accordingly, in this life, do we not have potholes that we hit? Each of us have our own unique potholes, relational potholes, potholes that occur at work, um, that occur in our school, that occur in the world. We are a a world that is, you know, it is fragile, it is human, it is physical. And, you know, we often like to say there's a bit of a mess in that, and the mess is not an end. The mess is meant to draw us to the Messiah. So tonight we really want to reflect a little bit about, uh, do we even know that we're out of whack? Do we know that our soul's alignment is out of whack? Are we just kind of like going along and, you know, experiencing a weight that we need not experience because we don't even know it's out of whack? And the second part of this is, you know, if we knew it was out of whack, 
Again, think of a car. You know, are we taking it in to get it realigned? You know, imagine what that might be like for any of us in this moment right now. If you've been carrying a burden, an emotional burden, a weight, maybe you're beating yourself up over something you did after already going to confession. Maybe you're facing realities in your family or in the world. Things are out of alignment. And you're right now, as we are, you know, endeavoring to say, well, Lord, I really need you to, to put this in sync, to put me my, my heart in alignment with you. So the Ericsons are dear friends, and I've asked them, we've asked them to come in and share with us because they're raw and real, and, and they love Christ with their whole hearts. They've been honest about their adventure uh, towards Christ. They've been honest about their early years. If you want to hear, we'll, we'll direct you to those earlier radio episodes where they talk about that conversion experience and uh, in their early years of marriage and the loss of of a child and, you know, leading them to the Catholic faith, Walt in particular, Liz, coming from that background, the importance of witnesses, of of mentors who guide us in that faith, all these aspects that helped realign them. Mass Impact certainly blessed to be part of that journey as they've been a blessing to us. If you know Walt and Liz, you know, they're a godly couple who are going after the heart of Christ with all they've got. Six beautiful children and uh, so blessed in this community to be journeying with them. So let's just begin with a prayer right now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, first and foremost, give us the courage and the okayness with knowing that on this side of things, we're going to be out of whack. We're going to be out of alignment. Things, potholes of this life are going to, you know, shake us up a little bit. But that's not the final story, Lord. And in fact, you offer us in the grace of the sacraments, in a connection with you in prayer, because you fashioned our hearts for your indwelling spirit. You give us the capacity to be realigned with you at any given moment, to turn to you and seek that grace so that regardless of what's happening around us, we can have that contentment within us. Lord, right now, some are listening to you and dealing with some very difficult things in their marriages, in their families, in their business, in the world, in their finances. And we just right now lift them up to you. You know their names. May they know right now as they're hearing our voices lifted to you, Lord, that they are not beyond your love. In fact, they are close to your heart. And they want you, they want to hear your voice speak to them. So we open our hearts to hear your voice tonight, God, and to be realigned in you through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I kind of gave you the quick background of the Ericsons here, a young couple in their 30s. And uh, Walt is a business owner. He bought his father's company, grew up in it as a young lad. And so that was, you know, maybe not necessarily a pothole, but a challenge to put a lot of money and trust on the line and to have a lot of employees who are looking to you to make wise decisions in an area that you can't predict. There's no guarantees in a business. If you've owned a business, you know there's that tremendous struggle, so there's that. Um, they purchased a new house because they have six beautiful kids, and they were break, the, the seams were breaking. So they had a second major life uh, challenge, and that was the purchase of a new house and all that that means. They had a beautiful little life. What are we now, a year and a half, two mm-hmm. years with little Lucy? So that's a challenge to add number six to the mix with um, little Mary up in heaven looking down from on high. So those are three significant things. And one Walt, as a brother in Christ, we've had many occasions. We do have many occasions. He's on our board. He's involved with many uh, different things to talk and be real. And Walt is very honest, particularly about a subject of business kind of family balance. I'm I'm maybe even going to begin there. Business family balance. So 
when you refer to that, Walt, when we've spoken in the past, what does that even mean, business, family, balance? How has it been gotten on your radar? Why is it, uh, why is it a challenge to you, and what, are you, what have been your thoughts as you've been battling and, you know, to kind of understand that and maybe seek it, that alignment? Certainly there's different challenges <clears throat> between your time both spent at home and at work. I think, I think every man... Um, feels that they could easily work a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized to do is my, my hours at work have to be quality hours. If I'm going to spend that many hours at work, I have got to get stuff done. It's got to be productive. I cannot waste time with, with things that are not productive because if, if that's what we're doing, then I am taking away from my balance of being at home. Um, <clears throat> I strive very, very hard to get home in time to eat dinner with my family. That is important. And when we, my wife's giving me a look. I, <laughs> she'll she'll get her turn. I she'll love get it. Her turn. I wish she'll this was it. a visual she'll medium. Right now. Um, so a lot of times though, she'll text me about six or seven or eight times to figure out when exactly I am coming home <laughs> so that we can eat dinner at the same time. And she gets many answers, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. And then I always plan for an hour after he said. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good. So the the very important thing, though, that I think provides the best example is we're, we're for, I'm very fortunate to be able to take my kids to work. Hmm. So my oldest three, all girls, um, 11, 10, and 6, every now and then, probably once every other week, they'll, I'll take them for a full day at work so that they can see what daddy does and what they have realized very quickly, and they have all three been there multiple times now, is that Daddy has absolutely no time to play with them. You know, they, they are there to have a different experience than at home. And, uh, but they all will, are willing to help out. They want to do anything they possibly can to help me. They never, ever complain. They're great helpers. They're very great helpers. But they, they see what Daddy does. And... Allie uh, was just with me on Monday, yesterday, and uh, we got there very, very early, and we left at 6.45, I think, mm. and she said, she said, Daddy, she's like, did you even eat today? And I had to run to a meeting, so um, one of the wonderful young ladies in our office went ahead and got lunch for Allie in my absence, and I said, yes, I mowed something down very quickly. So, so the good news is, in that particular place, I have the blessing of them realizing what I'm actually doing at work. And so there's a difference between daddy's not just leaving me. There's all these people that depend on what daddy's doing. So they have an understanding sure. of what's going on. And, and um, it also gives me an opportunity to have that 25, 30 minutes of drive time to and from work, you know, one-on-one with them. And then same thing with adoration. So I have adoration at night, for example, and, and, uh, Every single night, every single Tuesday, I, I take one of the girls with me. We get to pray together, um, which I think is fantastic, in front of Christ. And then we have that 20 minutes to and from that we get to talk. And it's hard when you come home and you have six littles, and I've got about... Give us the age range. One oh. and a half to 11. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a lot quicker than I was going to do. Good job, Liz. I might have a management role for you. <laughs> That's, a mom. That's a mom job. Let me ask you guys... Uh, Liz included, uh, as I be- began introduce this, 
step one is understanding or seeking what maybe does a perfect alignment at least look like. Knowing it won't be attained in this life, um, maybe people don't even bother considering that question. What is a proper balance, a proper alignment of relationship with God, spousal, family, work, the things that need to be done? How have both of you come to consider that question and work it out? What have been some challenges and even considering it and, you know, what are some way marks? So I can usually tell when I'm out of whack pretty easily. I'm sure everyone else in the household can too. I get kind of grouchy. <laughs> so that's usually my number one. I, my joy and my peace is just gone. Um, it's when I'm short with the kids and I'm mad at Walt for whatever and everything. And usually in the past, I would just be mad and angry and it would take me forever to get over it. And I would say in the last few years, I've just realized, okay, I'm out of whack. My starting point is with God. So usually where I start then is I'm like, I need to go to confession. And mm-hmm. I do try and make um, the girls, and we, we do go monthly confessions um, just to make sure that's a regular part of our that's routine. Awesome. Um, but sometimes it needs to be a little sooner than a month. and then you know when you go to confession and you're talking to the priest and you're telling them you know your sins and whatever it's also a time of of counseling for them they a lot of times especially if you go to the same one they can help you Mm. through your struggles and so um and then just the feeling of being absolved from your sins Mm. just that peace and that grace that is Mm. poured on you in that moment so I know that a lot of times if I just even if I don't do anything else if I at least do that one thing at least my alignment's a little bit back and pointed where it's supposed to be. If I could just jump in real quickly. Um, it makes me think of the whole, and as wives, it's very easy to do when stuff is out of whack and um, things we feel, you know, aren't right or just or which, what does that word even mean, right? <laughs> right. In family life. But, you know, when we feel like we've been wronged and we act a certain way, you just gave great witness, Liz, that we still need mm. to own what we own. Right. Our impatience and our, you know, unjust anger and our grumpiness and our whatever, even though we may have good reason right. <laughs> in our minds, right, right or wrong. Um, I just think that that is such a beautiful starting point for realignment, if you will, to regardless of anything else, to own what we are responsible for right. and, and make that you know, the first piece of the checkup, if you will. And unfortunately, our families get the brunt of that because right. that's who are around yep. most. And, and especially, well, like I don't I don't have all of other employees and stuff that I go and talk to and get yelled at. Like he, he gets <laughs> right. the brunt of me. So I apologize. So let me press <laughs> Public um, confession further. over enunciation. Right. <laughs> I kind of asked the question, sort of what are the components of alignment? What does it look like? And we here in this, studio no and those we're connected with there's a hierarchy you know we cannot give to our spouse if we're not plugged into god personally and certainly confession is an epic Mm -hmm. sacramental grace but um and then that allows us with our spouse to give to our spouse number two and then overflow to our children number three if we're not giving to our spouse and cultivating that uh to that extent the relationship with the family is going to be diminished and then overflow to the world and men have a particular challenge because we're going into the world. We're in the world. We need to manage things in the world while maintaining a priority leadership, um, a spiritual leadership in the home, which Liz and Walt, you've both spoken of this and Walt, your journey of embracing that. So 
all of that stated, I want to come back and ask the question, how have you experienced that personal relationship with Christ as part of this alignment, a critical part of the alignment? How have you experienced that enhanced, and how has it blessed you in recent years versus five years ago? Well, be, being involved with Mass Impact has, first of all, taught me not just the importance, but how to be the spiritual leader of our home. I've mentioned that in the past. It's changed everything. Mm-hmm. It certainly has. Um, but the balance starts for me because I strive to have Christ lead everything. And still learning still learning what that means and still giving up the ground that I have yet to let him mm-hmm. claim. But it's been so much. I have, I have turned over so much to him compared to what I thought I had and compared to where I was before. And, you know, just for example, it's I, I pray the rosary every single morning, mm. every single morning. Awesome. And I am constantly focusing on trying to make sure it's not just words. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, I, I mean what I'm praying. Um, you know, reading the scripture, thinking about the scripture. Um, Greg, you turned me on to the Regnum Christi uh, spiritual reflection in the morning. Um, you know, there are there are some challenging prayers and thoughts in there. Yes. Um, and I like to be challenged because if you feel comfy all day and you think you're doing a good job, uh, you're not. Right. Right. So, but it's far more than that. And I, and I think one of the places that I'm very thankful, uh, maybe in the last year or two in my life, that I feel like I've really made some ground or, or gave it up, I don't know how you want to look at it, is living my faith without uh, asking for forgiveness to anybody in my workplace. Hmm. So I don't have to worry about that right much in my own business because I am the owner, right? And people are going to be concerned about saying anything, but with my customers, with everyone else, you know, do I get frustrated sometimes, upset? Absolutely. But I have told so many people this, um, everybody that knows me, everybody that knows me knows I'm a Christian. Everybody. Christ does not Christ has probably not let out of a, of a conversation that lasts more than five minutes ever <laughs> when I'm on the phone with someone mm-hmm. or face-to-face, ever. And I, I can't even, it's, he's, he's so in my life everywhere, it's, it's not going to, right? It, it's not going to be hidden. It's going to come out all the time anyway. And um, what I've realized, however, is by having those conversations, the positive is there are so many folks out there who claim to be Christian, right, or or have a very strong moral compass or have a lot of the same views I have, but they don't talk about it at all. And so sadly, I, I think that so many out there, um, they cower to mm-hmm. what others might think. So very, very thankful there. And I would argue it brings balance because I also I don't bring – some of the work stressors home I used to bring home that I have to deal with, you know, or I impose upon my wife and kids. So even though, you know, I could lose a job, right, or I could um, have a rough day at work or someone's not paying me, right, or, or I feel like someone's treating me unjustly, at the, at the end of the day, it's all in God's hands and he's not going to let me be harmed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it doesn't mean it's going to turn out my way, but he's not going to let it kill me um, or our company. And I've been doing such a better job of being able to let that go. And that's that's bringing balance. That's a great It's story. awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a powerful scripture passage that I turn to all the time and encourage our children and those we connect with to really understand Jesus' words, Matthew 7, about the wise and foolish builders. And he says, so Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the potholes, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and the beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So I know you well enough that what you're describing, Walt and Liz, is a snapshot of your daily reality. I mean, Walt, I hear every other week some, what I think many people would regard as pretty epic things that can happen in your work world. Um, something that costs a good amount of money because of negligence repeatedly, or just um, as you in the bidding process, you know, looking to make some connections and maybe even hoping and relying based upon good people's words. But the, the market doesn't work that way. And, and you have to, with a capital H, have to be anchored in something beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're sharing is a, is, a, is a snapshot of that. But a lot of men right now, and maybe to both Liz and you, men and women, are facing these things and they seem epic. Maybe even small things seem epic because they haven't discovered the rock. You're giving testimony that you've discovered it and are more fully discovering it. Give some advice or encouragement to that maybe ground floor, building upon the rock, that first step of alignment. What step do you take to make that connection with Christ, to have that foundation that secures you when the storms come, when you hit the potholes? What advice do you have? Well, I think... I think for me, it's realizing that I'm still here. My hmm. company is still here. At some point, you got to smack yourself in the face as a man. Don't do that as a woman. <laughs> and be like, <laughs> how much more proof do I actually need? Hmm. And at some point, you just have to trust. Now, it's not always easy for me to trust. It isn't. What I've also realized, though, is every time I hear bad news, it's just like a roller coaster. Every time that roller coaster goes down, it's going to go back up. Mm. So you have to be logical with yourself and not always be thinking negative. Um, and the Lord doesn't smack you and then pick you up and then smack you and then pick you up, right? The Lord allows those things to happen so that you can trust him more. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what I had to get past was the fear of what was he going to ask of me to give up? What was he going to ask of me and I would say very recently in my life, I'm strongly getting past that fear. Yeah, it's been huge. I know when we were first married, he was just crazy anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. No peace, um, fretting over every job, everything. And to see where he is now, it's it's miraculous. It's to show you the difference between mm-hmm. life with faith and life without. And I don't know how people survive without. That line, though, Waltz, just that fear 
of what the Lord was going to ask mm-hmm. of us. Like that could be applied to every single sure. person, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever our situation is that we're dealing with, gosh, like that's that's the question, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what so often even the best of Christians and Catholics and whatever, it's that, oh, yes, 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 but but, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not quite sure. I'm a little afraid of what what that means or what you're what that what you're asking of me or um so just to face that head on and and I'm sure it's it's never like locked in locked in right I'm sure there's stronger moments than others but gosh isn't that what we all pray for just that ultimate trust and to renounce that fear and know that the Lord is in it and is in control and he loves us beyond what we can ever imagine and anything that happens he is going to allow the good to come from it. So I find that um, there's a bit of an exchange that takes place in this relationship with God. We can have white knuckles clinging to our anxieties and fears and concerns. And prayer has to be more than just memorized words that we expect are going to miraculously result in something. Prayer has to involve, at the very beginning, a kind of surrender, right? It has to involve a kind of relinquishing of those apprehensions and saying, Lord, I entrust these to you. I surrender them to you. And that is, in itself, maybe the first act of prayer. Are we going to get out of our our, our atmosphere of attack, our atmosphere of, of toxicity, of the noise, just start there, that we're not going to compete with things when we take that time to pray. But that in that prayer, and right now I encourage you folks who are listening to think about it, what are the things that you and I are clinging to that are just toxic thoughts, concerns, fears, apprehensions that, by the way, we're absolutely powerless over. But that's just step one. To take some time and say, Lord, I lay this down. I surrender it. And the exchange, as I said, then is fill me up. Make me aware of your presence. Make me aware of your loving providence. The passage in Scripture about consider the lilies of the field and the creatures of the air. You know, I I think the news and our accessibility to so many sources only engenders uh, a sense of apprehension and concern and discord. You know, I think it's important in this day and age that first level of alignment has to be managing the sources around us. It has to be a degree of managing, you know, what are we allowing to spin the top, if you will. And I'm going to get Walt, who's now heading to Adoration at Holy Trinity. He's going to join us by phone, so you ladies can continue that conversation. You guys get all all the funness going on with live radio tonight. So, Liz, Walt talked about the business side. Obviously, it affects the family. But as a wife and a mother, like, what are some of those most prominent challenges? Oh, just the challenges of, you know, I've got six littles. And every single one of them is important, and I love each and every one of them. But to be able to give them the time that they need and deserve to feel loved and to know God and to know why they're here. Um, so it can become very stressful. The little ones require, obviously, a little bit more time changing diapers. Just and more diapers. <laughs> and more and diapers. More diapers. Um, and feeding. Well, actually, I'm only in one in diapers now, so I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Congrats. I know. I had three at once. Um so just just the daily activities, and then we homeschool. And so that adds a whole other aspect of my day um, and trying to teach them what is most important in life. And I'm, I'm 
not only trying to make scholars, I'm trying to make saints. That's mm-hmm. my that's my main goal. And I and I tell them and myself that often. Like, if you don't get this math, it's not worth being this anxious about. We'll pray about it. We'll do better tomorrow. We'll try again. Um, so it's trying to teach that to my children. And then um, the home thing, just with Walt, when he doesn't get home till late and it gets over, like, many days in a row and he's late and he's late and he's late, it, it puts stress on the family. The kids feel it and I feel it and everyone just wants daddy home. Yep. And it's important for me to encourage them to see why daddy's not home and that it's a good thing that he's providing for us and protecting us and that's his main role but also to encourage Walt when he is home to make that home time quality right so I want to I want to ask a question Liz first and then give you a story that I know from your home culture the question for you to think about is a portrait of your prayer life in the house as a way of life as a culture not just touch points but as a way of life And the fun story that I have to share, you shared with us uh, maybe half a year ago, is one of your children was battling with some real anxiety and apprehension, and it was recurrent. And you had learned, as we had learned, uh, to practice some of this Neil Lozano unbound kind of thing, to really recognize what are those whispers and lies that are speaking into our lives that we somehow allow to enter in there. So, number one, do we identify them? Do we have a culture that identifies them? Secondly... Do we name them and renounce them in the name of Jesus? Recognize that they do not have dominion. They have no, uh, they have no place in souls fashioned for God's indwelling spirit. And then thirdly, of course, to receive that grace. So you shared with us how you got down eyeball to eyeball with this particular child, and probably more times than once. Let her tell the story. But I'm just well. That's my story of their family. But I'm giving you, you know, share with maybe our listeners a little bit about how that faith in your home, that alignment, is more than just you know, before dinner for a moment or in the morning, but how really you're, you're striving for it to be a culture. Yeah, so I want my children to know that God comes first. And I, I tell that to them often. God, spouse, family. And so um, in the mornings, we, the kids and I usually, if Walter's home, then we'll pray with him too. Uh, we do the daily readings for the day and the saint for the day. And then we go around and do adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, supplication. I'm sure that you've heard of acts. Um, and that helps the kids know. And every child gets to speak. Would, um, they can all say their sorries for whatever. It's amazing. At mm. 830 in the morning, there's already something to be sorry for. <laughs> <laughs> every mom is nodding their head right now. Um, but that's, you know, we start our day with prayer every day. And even... Even Lucy is learning, okay, I got to sit with mommy on the couch or, you know, it's, it's snuggle time for them too. I want to sit by mommy. They fight over who's sitting with mommy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I hope that I'm instilling this in them so that when they're off on their own, they realize that that's a perfect way to start your day. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the day, um, you know, if someone is struggling with something or there's something going on, um, we... We'll, we'll ta- stop and take a minute and say, you know, would you like me to pray over you? And I would say, mm-hmm. no, I don't think they've ever said no. Mm-hmm. And they'll say yes. And so we'll all come together. We'll put our hands over them um, or surround them. Uh, I'll give you for an example. Yesterday, Lucy, our one and a half year old, she fell off uh, the, mm. a chair. It fell down and it smashed her, her fingers and her oh, face. And she was bloody, heart. whatever. And so I'm like, Lucy, you want us to pray over you? She goes, mm 
yep (laughs) (laughs) so so you know we're all around her we put our hands over her we're like you know pray for lucy pray for the holy spirit to come down and heal her and the kids they're just this is just normal for them and i and i hope that it stays this way throughout their life to, to know that through any difficulty that Prayer comes first. That's awesome. Walt, I'm bringing you up. Uh, your car is making some magnificent percussive sounds, so if you were trying to break in there, we didn't hear it. But now you're live. Are you there, buddy? I am here. Excellent. So you guys decided some time ago that you wanted to structure your home atmosphere for alignment, for success, and you recognize just as an individual soul needs to be aware of toxicity and things that attack it, that you as parents were going to make some decisions about what would and would not be allowed to, uh, you know, contaminate, shall I say, the home, atmosphere, and environment. And, uh, and tell us a little bit about some of those decisions about at least your home atmosphere with regard to TV or digital media and those sorts of things. Well, I remember when um, I wonder we, we bought an iPad. I should say I bought an iPad. And I would imagine the iPad is seven years old now. And the main reason we did it is because my parents were actually considering spending quite a bit of time in Florida in the winter. And we wanted to be able to Skype them and, and you know, physically see them when we spoke to them. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we had, this, we had this iPad, and there was a couple games on it, and my I remember... Um, my oldest two, which at the time were like five and four, kept arguing over whose turn it was to play the game and so forth. And then, you know, then we got this whole new set of rules of, well, you get five minutes, then you get five minutes, and, and you know, all this jazz. And we probably battled that for, I don't know, a month or something. And they were arguing again, and I said, you know what, I got a better idea. All the games are gone. Mm. There will never be any more games. <laughs> because I thought, this, this, this is divisive. This is a... This device is divisive. It is, it is a problem, and it's just got to go. And so from that point in time, I mean, we don't have cable television. We don't even have the basic TV channels. Um, we do not have cell phones. We will not have cell phones for our kids. We do not have video games or anything else. And my kids don't ever, ever ask for them. They don't even know what a – I'm not sure they even know what a video game is. So – and it I, has I, been me, so helpful. Interrupt for a second. Go sorry. ahead, um, And they never say, I'm bored. Mm. Go figure. So we're not judging all those of you who are listening. We know that we live in a digital culture. And I think all of us can speak, um, you know, outside of just being subjective, the sciences, the social sciences, psychology, you know, greater recorded depression than any time in history directly traced to cell phones. We know on average uh, nine hours a day kids are on cell phones. We know that in spite of that connectivity, they've never felt more alienated. Um, And let's just keep it real that most parents are in a place where they they want to know how can I manage this? How can I be a parent? How can I lean into that and and help maybe turn the clock back? How can I recover this relational quality with my kids? We're not going to dwell on this in this particular program right now, but I just want to convey to all of us we're in the same boat. And uh, and I do think I do think in the depths of our hearts, people are yearning for more than pixels. They're yearning for people. We're yearning for relationship. And let's just keep it real. As a father, 52 years old, just turned 52 a couple weeks ago, um, it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for us. 
And um, it's it's an area of a need for realignment. It's an area for a need for reexamination. You know, what is this thing really doing for us? I'd recommend the book by Catherine Price, How to Break Up with Your Phone. It is a fabulous book. By the way, it's not as radical as saying, you know, we're going to get rid of these uh, digital devices. They can do a lot of good. For sure, they do do a lot of good. But how many of us find ourselves, you know, addicted? How many of us find ourselves um Turning it, uh, checking it, uh, you know, the way I like to think of it is if we turn to God with the frequency with which we check our phones, we'd be a society of saints. Mm. If the check impulse was turned into a prayer impulse, we realize that really at the depths of that check impulse is a yearning for a connection. And we knew that only God would provide for it and certainly with human beings. Um, I can only imagine that that would substantially edify our lives. So just along that line, quickly before we return to the subject at hand, another good book, besides the one that you recommended, Greg, is one that Laura Range, Peter Range, who our listeners know, um, his wife had recommended also um, called uh, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. And it's just a phenomenal uh, read in the sense of it's not saying get rid of the phone. It's saying be aware that it does have an effect on you. So another great book um, so folks, to recommend. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. Very blessed to have Walt and Liz Erickson with us. And we're talking about life alignment. We're really just touching the surface, but inviting all of you folks to consider what potholes have we hit that have knocked us out of whack. And are we together, especially with the gift of spouses, prayerfully considering, you know, how might God be calling us to that realignment? Liz shared the very first thing, you know, how confession can be a fundamental epic way to get us on that road to realignment. Both Walt and Liz have shared about the importance of that encounter with God every day, making that time to be attuned to him in prayer. Walt shared the rosary. Liz and Walt both shared the importance of the home culture, not just these points of contact. I want to raise a question now about um, Liz and Walt to share how important is it to prioritize a marriage above family because as you know many couples godly good couples battle with making that a priority and the effect that it has on their families how have you kind of discovered that and uh, charted the course towards greater alignment that's always a work in progress but I feel like that you know at least we're pointing in that direction one of the things um, lately that has been an issue is bedtimes um, the 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 kids just want to stay up later and later and later and dwaddle and I need a drink of water and what have you. And so I would say in the last few weeks, we have been very strict. Your bedtime is 830. Mm. That means like mommy and daddy are out of your rooms and there is no more. This is mommy and daddy time. And explaining to them why it's very important for them to understand that mommy and daddy's relationship is the foundation, is that rock that you were talking Mm. about in our household. And so if our rock is we're not touching base our our rock is going to crumble and it and it's going to lead to crumbling in the family and it and it's it's a snowball effect so explaining to them the importance of why mommy and daddy need this time together we need to have this time together to talk to talk talk about whatever's going on in each other's lives goals for the family problems that are going on uh to pray together and just just to have that time together it's important to connect and I, and i I know a lot of families struggle with that, mm-hmm. especially with all the extracurricular activities that people are doing. And I know we don't have very many extracurricular activities, and we still struggle. So, Walt, thoughts? So, <clears throat> I think there's a there's a multitude of things that we do. First and foremost, um, we pray for our heart 
to be aligned with each other's um, every single day. I mean, Liz prays for me um, and for her to be a better spouse for me every morning and every night. Mm. And I do the same thing. And when I see it in action, when I know she's praying for it, I see it in action, it is absolutely beautiful. And it, it, um, you know, whatever you, whatever you do, and uh, Father Mike was, was actually just uh, uh, part of his homily here this weekend, but he's saying your, your actions must correspond with what you believe. And, and if you do not believe something, but, you're, but you continue to do the actions, those actions will actually will help you believe. And so often just the routine uh, of, of praying, even if it's really hard to honor the words in your prayer, in time it will sink in. In time those seeds will plant and grow. And so that's been a big deal. Also, um, I, you know, I mentioned to Liz this morning, I said, honey, I, I want to thank you very much for taking care of yourself for me, mm. for, for good shape, both, um, you know, uh, not just from a looks standpoint, but physically. So, so often you see couples, um, you know, the, these bodies, as my beautiful wife said this morning, these bodies are not our bodies. They're God's bodies. Mm. And when we don't take care of them, we are, uh, we're abusing them. And, so I think, you know, something else that, I mean, as a man, um, every man, man believes this. I mean, they, they want their wife to be fit and attractive. And, and, and um, you know, it, it matters, right? And the wife wants the same thing, too. Is it the most important thing? Absolutely not. My point is, is that for us, we look at these bodies as God's bodies, and they must be taken care of. And you know what? When you look at your body that way... When it is a gift from God to have the body, and you are going to give that body back to God because it's His in the first place, and you take care of it, um, there's 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 something there that just adds to the to the love and the compassion you have um, with one with one another. So, and then also um, the simple fact that we are constantly. Uh, complimenting each other, mm. um, and it's and it comes from the heart. So just you know, honey, you just you look so pretty. You look beautiful. I love the way your hair looks. And you know what? Um, I mean it. Like I absolutely mean it. And when you know when Liz gives me some, you know, men want words of affirmation. I I, I like being called handsome, but I really like being told that I'm really good at something, or I'm being mm. a great dad, or a great husband, and I'm honest and I'm trustworthy. That's what men want to hear. Um, they do not want to hear, you're late again, good for you. That is not what they want to hear, right? And so when that dialogue changes, it just opens up the floodgates of the love mm. that couples want to share with each other. So I'm going to throw a hardball at you guys because awesome. I know Thank you can you handle it, and that is that is really um, real and raw, and I know it's an authentic testimony, and I'm grateful that you shared it. I know Liz um, agrees also. Um, so the hardball. When you guys find yourself in a place of conflict because of pressures, struggles, challenges, and I want you to be thinking now in your own life, but applied to maybe many couples 
who are perhaps in a place of conflict right now, and they've sort of normalized it without resolving it, without reconciling maybe. The day becomes a week, becomes a couple weeks. Distance takes place. In their cases, I think you guys have been blessed with the maturity and wisdom for that not to happen. But just for those who may be listening right now and may be looking for encouragement to realign their relationship in a place of conflict, what advice drawing from your own experience might you offer? So you're right. Days turn on to weeks, turn on to however long. That's how it used to be for me. Mm. I would get hard hearted and I would be mad and every little thing would do would just add to that and make that fire stronger of, of anger. And I would be mad. Um, but I would say in the last few years, and I know Walt, Walt will attest to and agree to this because he's been giving me compliments about how I've been doing better. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, acknowledging it before it gets that bad and and praying that I have a heart for him and that I own my own fault because because mm. I'm always a part of it it's not you 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 it's us and we and realizing that both of us want this to get better we 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 both have our eye on the prize we both our commitment our goal is to get each other to heaven so what good is it for me to sit here and say, you did this and you did that and blah, 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 blah. Mm. It, it, it's not effective and it's not going to get us to our destination of heaven. And my job, the reason I am here on earth, is to get my husband and my children to heaven. That's awesome. Walt? So praying over each other. It's mm. the hardest time to do it mm-hmm. when yeah. one of you or both of you is frustrated. <laughs> But you know what? I Every single time we've done it, every time, the Lord intervenes, and uh, I, I, you know, it's, it, it works. The Lord works. He, work, he works in that. So when Liz is frustrated with me, and, and you know, she, uh, or I'm frustrated with her, like, we pray together. Mm-hmm. We pray together because we don't have that much time here on earth. Why in the world would we waste it on petty, ridiculous things? And I would, I would make the argument, though, that the reason also I believe it, it works well for us um, at this point is because our, our, our faith and our willingness um, to get through it is there. I, there are strong Christian men and women, you know, married men and women that I know, um, that are married to a quote-unquote strong Christian spouse that they they want to hold on to that grudge. Or what they'll do is they position themselves so that you can't, they can't ever be in the wrong. You're the one that's always in the wrong. And that is not going to be healthy. It doesn't matter if someone succumbs to that constantly. You're never going to be at a peace. And uh, something that, for me personally, that I have had to own here more recently is I convinced myself that my wife was perfect. And I will tell you that I believe my wife is as perfect a wife as you could possibly have. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I was robbing her of the truth. And it would be as if, if you went to confession and, and the priest said, well, that's not a sin and that's not a sin and that's not a sin. That's not compassion. That's not mercy right? Because it's not the truth. And I was robbing her of 
letting her know, look at, you know, these things that you do, I do disagree with, or they do hurt me. Mm. Um, I allowed my love for her to constantly just say, well, you know, she treats me that way or she said something. And let's be honest, I was, I'm in the wrong far more than my wife is. <laughs> but um, my point is, is with, our, with these couples, you've got to be willing to submit to yourself, to your own pride, mm. to actually get somewhere. And both of you have to be willing to do it. And I think very often uh, we as couples, one of us is willing to do it and the other one isn't. And we've got to pray for, for, that, for, that, uh, for that spouse who's not there yet because um, once they are, you really can build such an amazing uh, relationship. That is great wisdom. And uh, as you're speaking, Walt, I'm thinking again of the theme tonight, life alignment. And by its very nature, life alignment means in alignment with who we really are in God. And that in particular means the heart of the Father. So one guide, all who are listening right now, it's a challenge, but it is the vision of what God calls for us as men and women and, and, and families is, do we have the heart of the Father for every person in our life? Are we praying, Lord, give me your heart for my spouse. Help me to be attuned to what she's struggling with, her battles, her struggles, what she's going through, and with each child. And that's the greater challenge. I want to shift to that with a little time that we have left. You know, how do we, especially in your case, you have six children as we have six children. God wants us. That alignment means that we are iconic of the Father. We're called to be that occasion. An instrument of love will always be imperfect. We want our kids to know that. Um, But, Lord, help me to make the time as a priority to be attuned to what's going on in their life. So when I'm connecting with them, it's not just logistical. Got to get them here. Got to get them there. Make sure that they know their, their, uh, their studies and academics. But am I attuned to those recesses of their soul the way Christ was attuned to each of us that fostered that genuine relationship that images the Trinity? So the question, um, what challenges do you have, both have with your busy lives, to have that um, attunement of the heart of the Father to your children? How important is it? And what are some examples of how it's really been a blessing as you're fostering it? So praying together as a family has been huge. And when we pray together as a family, one of the things that we ask is, what, what is something that you're struggling with? And we go around and we ask, you know, each child, what, what can I pray for you for? And to know that those things are going on. And we also do our best to try and have some one-on-one time with each of our kids. Um, I know Walt does a, a better job at that uh, with the hour of adoration every week and then um, taking the kids to work and he has a little bit easier of less interrupted time. It seems like mommy's time is always a little bit interrupted. Right. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> but um, I but I do my best. Um, I'll say, you know, you got 10 minutes with mommy. What do you want to do? And we'll go and play a game or what have you. And, and while we're playing, we're, we're talking. And I'm finding out what they're excited about what they're struggling with and what, um, just trying to meet their needs and it, it's a constant it's a constant battle and worth praying about <laughs> just to throw in from another mom's perspective totally agree with everything you're saying even if it's those 10 minutes something that I have found um, that is so key too especially for the busy moms and the which all moms are busy that was a redundancy <laughs> but just eyeball the eyeball mm. I've I've found how little um, during different times where I've looked at them mm-hmm. like right in the eye and either to say something or to truly listen. Right. And I just mean like normal everyday stuff, not some deep, right. you know, serious, whatever, but they need and that 
yes complete eye contact with you and and they feel they feel it yeah and I think it's so important, Walt, I want to cue you up on this because you know the stats on a dad's power by God's design uh, of his influence, certainly in his faith and the example of that, but that relational value that uh, impacts our children probably to a much higher degree of women. How important is that and how have you experienced it as being powerful? Oh, it's, 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 it, cannot be, it cannot be overemphasized. It cannot be overemphasized. It is... It is the most important thing. I I, I know the the, I, I, the name of the book escapes me, but for example, the, the reason the number one reason young women have premarital sex is because of the lack of of close intimate relationship with their father. That is the number one reason, and um, and so you know, just for example, I mean, I can't help it. It's who I am. My parents were very loving. Um, I am very, very loving towards my children, but you know, my 11-year-old daughter. I still multiple times a week have her sit in my lap, and I hug her, kiss her, tickle her, tell her how much I love her. Um, those it is absolutely critical that your children know they can come to you, that they know that, that you love them, that you actually pray with them. I would make the argument too. All prayer is good prayer. doesn't matter how you pray. God hears the prayer. Praying with your children, however, they need to know that you're praying for them. Mm-hmm. When you pray in silence, awesome. even though that's very, very important, and, I, and most of my prayer is in silence, um, it is extremely important to pray out loud with your children because they need to know that they're being prayed for. They need to understand that you are asking for God's help, and you you can't be their everything, that you need God to intervene. So I think that that's uh, extremely critical. I, I see um, with many families that I know that, you know, their, their kids are just, just beautiful, wonderful, wonderful children. Um, you know, mom and dad, are, com- are they're completely engaged. They are fully engaged. If, if, if you want your kids to truly be a I think we lost you. Yeah. There you go. You're back. Totally on. engaged. Um, thank- well, I'm out in the boonies. Yeah, great. So. so if we lose you, folks, you'll know why. So with a short time we have left, uh, a key area that as a community, as friends, we've all been discovering, and that is to faithful Catholic families who ought to have a high value for being engaged in our parishes and in a lot of good things. We need to reevaluate whether or not it's just a good thing or whether it's God's thing. What does that mean to you, Walt and Liz, about looking at many good things that we can be doing, but really considering alignment as a function of what are God's things? How have you been challenged and how are you working it through? Liz, I think you can tell them what, what we've sacrificed or what we've given up you know, for our family here recently. Well, just recently we have, um, we, we've always done a lot of lit groups, um, a lot of, just a lot of groups in general where we have people come over and we pray together and we have meals together and what have you, up to like two times a week, which is a lot when you have a family with six sure little is. kids. And so just recently I, I was feeling really overwhelmed and I know that Walt was feeling like, you know, we are not having any family time. So we need to prioritize God, each other, family, and then everything else. And we were letting everything else, you know, funnel into our family time, and family wasn't a priority. So we just recently uh, have taken a break from a lot of stuff, and we have been saying no. Um, 
and I know that, you know, people understand, mm-hmm. you know, family comes first. So no is a okay awesome. to say sometimes. That's so good. And it's tough, right? Because when people ask us to do something good, um, we ought to have a generous response, right? We ought to consider, Lord, you know, how have you gifted me and blessed me to be involved? But if it's at the expense of the relationships you both were just talking about with one another, with our children, our kids are going to come to equate religion and good with abandonment. Think right, about that. Right. Think about that. I'm going to say it again. If, if we're compromising the inner life of our relationships with our spouse and our kids, if we're taken off all the time to do even wonderful things, we're forming our kids to equate good things and even religion with abandonment. Mm. And maybe we can understand in those circumstances why perhaps some kids, when they are age 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, Sherry Waddell's stats, the Pew studies, by the time they're 23, 80% are gone because they haven't perhaps experienced that relational heart of religion. And I think there's a, there's a real clarion call in this day and age with all the wonderful programs and activities to really come before God and say, Lord, what is the priority What's the hierarchy? And again, I repeat, you know, it's to God first. We have that daily prayer life. It's a challenge to all of us. Men, I encourage you to check out Pentecost365.us. It's uh, emerged out of Exodus 90. It's an occasion for us to look at seven ways God wants to pour out his grace, but are we receiving it? You know, right now there are a lot of men and women who are maybe feeling fatigued and beleaguered, and God wants to pour forth that healing, that refreshment, that transformation, but we've got to make the time to receive it. So I encourage uh, all who are listening tonight to really, number one, make that holy time of encounter every day with God to receive Him, you know? And then secondly, with our spouses, to really make devoted, not just date time, but cultivate that ongoing day-in and day-out encounter time to really have the heart of the Father for one another. Of course, overflowing into our children's lives and, of course, into the world. Folks, you are attuned to Ignite Radio Live. We are so blessed to have Walt and Liz with us and to be on this journey with all of you in this area. And dear Lord Jesus, we just pray that you fortify us all the more with an awareness of your presence, transforming us, healing us, and enabling us to claim this world for you for the glory of your name through Christ our Lord. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great night.